Jack, Levi. The Book Club from Hell. Hello everyone, this is Jack with The Book Club from Hell, a deep cover CCP operative waging psychic warfare on an unsuspecting Western audience, encoding minds and conditioning sleeper agents one podcast at a time. Most of you, I imagine, are familiar with American military propaganda cinema, a lone GI armed with nothing but his patriotism, a love of the free market and constitution, a taste for liberty, a jawline the size of El Capitan, a can-do attitude and a contempt for commies the world over. But are you acquainted with the state-approved Chinese equivalent? Wolf Warrior 2 is a 2017 Chinese action film co-written, co-produced and directed by Wu Jing and lays claim to the record of the highest grossing non-English language film of all time at 874 million US dollars. You've got everything you'd expect from an action movie. Explosions, guns, babes, hundreds of extinguished human lives, all the good stuff. But slathered on top is a Chinese Communist Party triumphalism and a barely contained sense of Han Chinese ethnic supremacy. And these two elements are what make the film something special. So request a bag of state-produced popcorn from your nearest cultural commissar, comrade, and enjoy. Yeah, I always have a hard time remembering names of characters in movies. I wrote them down specifically because I knew I I have a hard enough time remembering Anglo names. Let alone yeah. Chinese names that I'm just not familiar uh, with at all. Apart from like Dr. Aaron, Rachel. No problems yeah. remembering Dr. Rachel's name. <laughs> yeah, D- Dr. Rachel's babe. Then you got Lung Fung, who's the main guy. Then you got Big Daddy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got the nameless European <clears throat> mercenaries. You've got the yeah. angry Russian man who just grunts. You've got that <laughs> yeah. blonde white woman who shoots people with a sniper rifle, but I don't think says anything. I don't know where she's meant to be from, but she's not Chinese, so naturally she's no, really um, suspect. I'm not sure which is funny. I just looked up her name. Like, her actual name is Heidi Moneymaker, but then her <laughs> character name is Wait, is that, is that, her, is that on her birth certificate? <laughs> it doesn't have a picture of her birth certificate on Google. Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Moneymaker have a daughter. Like, that would actually be a better... Na- that would be a better name for the character, but um, but Athena's. It would be I guess, thematically okay accurate, um, considering the portrayal of white people in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Big Daddy. <laughs> Big Daddy. <laughs> Played by the okay, same okay, guy who um, was in um. Oh, what's it called? There were these. There were these shitty post-apocalyptic movies, or no, not even post-apocalyptic. Like a a really. Really shit cultural commentaries on the United States where, like, one night per year you're allowed to commit crimes and it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hillary, Hillary, um, yeah, Big, Big Hillary. Daddy was, was some guy who played in that movie as well. Or maybe there are more of them, I don't know. But Big, Big Daddy, the guy who plays Big Daddy was the, in um, those. The Purge. The Purge. That's right, yeah. I remember I watched yep. it because I thought the masks looked cool and it fucking sucked. It was just shit. I'd prefer to watch Wolf Warrior 1 instead of another Purge movie. Yeah, Hillary, Hillary um, made me watch The Purge because she keeps insisting that the reason I don't like to watch horror films is because I'm actually like scared of them and it's actually just because they suck all the time. <laughs> like, like, they're really, like, the plots are terrible. And the, the surprises are rarely surprising. 
I mean, The Purge had a nominally interesting premise, but then it just descends into people trying to kill other people, and you're like, yep, I get it. <laughs> yeah, but I, if I'm yeah. going to watch a movie which consists, consists almost entirely of people trying to kill other people, I would prefer it has a strong racial element tied to the morality of characters, like in Wolf Warrior 2, where <laughs> you really can, you can pick how, how morally worthwhile a character is by the colour of their skin. So <laughs> obviously Han Chinese people are at the top of the pile. But what, White what, one people thing, uh, what... are morally suspect but quite capable. <clears throat> Africans are very incapable but oftentimes kind-hearted. Those are, those are some lessons I've learned from this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It did have a... Um, I thought... I mean, in some ways, I was a little bit dis—I was a little bit disappointed in some ways that it wasn't more racist and in your face. But it—it it really was, mm. in some ways, a uh, a sort of a redo or recapitulation of like a. It, if had there been movies made in the nineteenth century about the British Empire, I feel like this is what <laughs> they would have been like. Because you had the childlike. Um, blacks, you know, to take up the white man's burden, which I gather has now been passed on to the Han Chinese, the, mm, the, yeah. se- the <laughs> to conduct the <laughs> savage wars of peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure a, um, a Han Chinese, Rudyard Kipling, a Rudyard Kipling born in Beijing, was the person <laughs> who wrote the script for this. Half devils, half child. <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Wolf Warrior 2. Actually, I should probably introduce a movie. We watched Wolf Warrior 2, 2017 Chinese action movie. I'd heard about this movie because a few, a few years ago, the phrase Wolf Warrior Diplomacy found its way seemingly overnight into most corporate media publications, which I consumed. And there was a lot of hand-wringing among the pages of the Financial Times, The Guardian, etc., etc., about how the Chinese have finally worked out Hollywood diplomacy. They've worked out how to, how to sell propaganda in an entertaining way. And if the world had not already fallen to the Chinese or been given to them, then this would be what finally allows the Chinese Communist Party to have supremacy over the West. Having watched yeah. watched Wolf Warrior two, I'd say it's a very entertaining movie, and I certainly don't regret my time with it. But in terms of global entertainment propaganda, it's not quite there yet. I think they need to they need to tune up the racism a bit. It's <laughs> it's still a bit too in your face, I think, for global consumption. See, yeah, uh, yeah. I would come at it from the opposite angle. Not the opposite angle. I mean, I agree with you objectively. I was personally hoping the racism was going to be more extreme than it was. <laughs> it was just, um, it was an extraordinarily condescending film. Um, you had, there was m- myriad scenes of um, uh, Africans uh, all dancing around, happy and jovial, uh, waiting upon their Han Chinese masters to come and save the day always in a benevolent fashion i mean it's not it's not unlike um i mean the whole film is sort of not unlike a diehard film which um jack jack and i have recently watched a diehard film 
And it's sort of diehard if the diehard guy was a Chinese guy and he was, um, I, I guess he's more infinitely morally pure than the diehard guy. Like there's really nothing wrong with the hero at all. And, and I, I'm not sure about you, Jack. Have you seen Wolf Warrior 1? Because we watched Wolf Warrior 2 and there were a number of um, flashbacks to scenes where I gather the hero had uh, lost the love of his life or something and this endowed him with some kind of tragic scar um, that he was carrying with him. But that was really, if not a, if not a blemish on his character, that was the only... Um, I'm not sure, but the only burden he was carrying on his soul. Like, had you seen Wolf Warrior 1? No, I haven't seen Wolf Warrior 1. If it's like this one, though, I'll probably, I probably will watch it eventually. Mm. It is interesting contrasting this movie to, say, what it most closely rep- resembles is a perfectly competent 1980s American action movie. That's its... yes. Yeah, that's that's what it's closest to. Different in a few interesting ways. So obviously, 80s Hollywood movies, you had white saviors. This has got a Han savior, so that does mix it up a bit. <laughs> it also, I find it really funny how, so you've got this ideal in the West generally, but particularly in America, with the heroes of these sort of movies where they tend to be lone wolves individuals, men who are only out for themselves, but underneath that grizzled exterior, they've got a heart of gold and their techniques might be unorthodox. They might rob, rub some people up the wrong way, particularly their superiors, mm. but by mm. God do they get results. Whereas, <laughs> whereas in Wolf Warrior 2, the, the main guy, Fang or something, yeah, Fang, Lung, Lung Fang, Fang. Or Lang Fang or Lung Fang. He is unimpeachably loyal and patriotic to the end there is there is no end to this man's love for his country and yeah, for the what? hierarchy that keeps him in place within that country that's a that's a fairly significant distinction between these sort this movie and american movies yeah. of, of a similar ilk one thing i would um uh, add to that is is that there were moments in the film when I thought, okay, now he's going to go off and be the lone wolf. Um, but it, it was always structured in such a way that he it wasn't that he had to be the lone wolf because he had to go outside the rules or break the rules in order to um, enforce like the ultimate greater good. It was just like the, like there were very precise rules uh, to do with, for instance, um, adherence to UN mandates, like they kept invoking <laughs> yeah, the UN so and how important it was, and how the Chinese army would not do anything uh, until they got a UN sort of mandate, or they wouldn't risk anyone uh, because Chinese citizens were in danger. But they, but like there was a cost-benefit calculus where they couldn't risk enough of their own Chinese people to merit the Chinese people that needed to be saving. So Lung Feng or Ling Feng was the one to go in, but he, but he wasn't working outside the rules. It's just that he was the only one with the bravery to work within the rules um, uh, on his own while the Chinese intelligence or Chinese PLA who were sitting in the background for most of the movie awaited... Um, UN resolutions and things like that. So yeah, he he never he never breaks the rules at all. 
But there was there was a bit at the start of the film where he, which I I think must hark back to the first film where he handed in his uniform, but I think was that because of some personal tragedy? That wasn't because he had engaged in any kind of military insubordination or malfeasance, was it? Yeah, I had to do do some research to work out what happened in this scene. By research, <laughs> I mean I looked at the plot on Wikipedia. So mm. the movie the movie begins and basically Lung Fung is on some container ship that gets attacked by pirates and he single-handedly <laughs> like jumps out of the container ship and kills all the pirates. He like swims under their boat and shakes them out of the boat from underwater. <laughs> then knife fights a bunch of guys underwater. <laughs> And he pushes the boat over. He pushes the boat over from underneath in the water. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. And you see already at the beginning of the movie the the racial dimension taking shape where everyone on the the container ship is black or white. And Mm. coincidentally, the one Chinese guy on board is the one who jumps off and kills ten pirates or something like that with his bare hands before... Oh, no. He kills most of them with his bare hands, but he does shoot at least one person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you go, it goes straight from that to some excavators in China demolishing a bunch of buildings, and there are all these people standing around protesting. And initially I thought, I felt like this was going to be interesting. I thought, oh, are they, is this some organisation with some sort of of government backing in China doing something that people don't like and it's being depicted mm. as as doing something that people don't like. Mm. But no, it turns out it's a rogue real estate developer who's just fucking demolishing people's houses and doesn't really offer a reason why. And oh, right. there's some, yep. some elderly Chinese woman standing in front of the excavator and telling him not to destroy her son's home. And then Leng Feng shows up. And kicks the shit out of this guy. No, he, he, he shows up and he's dressed up in his, his PLA uniform or something with his PLA boys. So yep. now the, the hand of the state arrives to set things straight. Yep. And I think yes. his, the, the, the real estate agent is taunting him and saying, oh, I'm going to make all these people's lives hell when, when you go away. And Leng Feng just can't hold himself back and his... His PLA friends are saying, no, don't do it, don't do it. And he just kicks this guy in the chest. I don't know if he kills him or not, but he's, he's discharged from the army as a result. And again, I find this is an interesting place to contrast with American 80s action movies or even, even with the latest Top Gun, actually, which, mm. which I, I watched when I was pretty stoned so i'm actually pretty hazy on a lot of the plot details it's more extraordinary film it's more a a blur of of very strong emotions rather than any definite (laughs) plot points (laughs) but but i've seen it more than once so i can help (laughs) in those sort of movies oftentimes the main character will be heeding some higher morality a morality that sits above the power structures that the hero notionally fits into. And oftentimes they will step outside those power structures to heed this greater morality mm. by, say, stepping out of the military to pursue their mission 
the higher mission by themselves because they rec- they feel that the military hierarchy doesn't actually reflect true morality. Mm. Whereas, and so so them leaving the military is often depicted as a noble sacrifice, but one that is very much worthwhile because the hero is going to do the right thing. Whereas in this movie, Lang Fang's just crying and there's very, very dramatic, sad music playing as he's taking the stripes off his uniform and hanging it up. It's, mm, um, mm. it's quite different. Yeah. Well, there's um, one, in- one really interesting um, quote, which I, as is, as is this sort of um, scene where he's folding up the uniform, crying. Um, one of his superiors is taking off like the stripes from his shoulders, but the the superior for whatever reason he's being discharged from the army um it's not in any for any kind of dishonorable behavior or presumably it's not a dishonorable discharge because as he's handing in like the uniform his superior says to him you know you may rebuke the uniform but duty remains as does the respect for you <laughs> so, so what, did like, he was he discharged cuz he he kicked the real estate developer or was uh, it because of something uh, else no I, I i'm not sure because remember also at around the time that he kicks a um nefarious real estate agent um developer <laughs> um there's also that scene where like i think the mother whose house is about to be demolished is the mother of a friend called J- jal jal fay because he says we brought jal fay home and maybe there's some kind of that that potentially I assume maybe Jao Fei was a best friend or something, combined mm. with the fact that um he'd lost some lover, I I gather, in the previous film. Um, combined with maybe this like I think I think maybe the setup was that his turning up and kicking this real estate developer was was just like a sign that like, you know, he was a bit emotionally overcharged and he, he needed a bit of a timeout. That was sort of mm. my feeling, but but I'm not sure about. I don't know who the, who this J- um, Jal Fay was. Um, we we get hints at who the the woman in his past was later in the film, but um, yeah, he brings Jal Jal Fay home. Um, he kicks the real estate developer. Um, he's lost some woman in the previous film, I gather, and therefore he. I, I'm not sure if it's. I think it's more he him handing in his uniform or. Or it's or it's mutually agreed in some kind of um, perfect harmonious Confucian fashion that this is his duty yeah, to hand yeah. in the uniform for a, for a moment, and um, he doesn't lose the respect. Uh, he doesn't lose the respect for the uniform, uh, nor the duties, nor the respect for for the uniform. And equally, the uniform doesn't lose doesn't like lose the respect for him or the duty that he does. So he's always part of the. I'm not sure if the Wolf Warriors are technically part of the People's Liberation Army, but he's 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 always a part of it. Yeah, it's look if if we were both much more diligent, we would actually have started with the first film. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this this was your idea to do the second. Yeah, one. this is this is on me. I just wanted the newer one because it had high production values. I watched so few films yeah. that I'm still impressed by just more money in a film. I'll probably enjoy it more if it's more expensive. Well, I mean, this this um 
I mean, I'm so used to watching like films like in like super high def that I was watching this on like YouTube. Yeah, I watched it on YouTube. Whatever shitty, it's like three sixty or four eighty, whatever. Um, I want like the thousand eighty or twenty that two thousand something HD. So I I reckon this would be like really awesome if you watched it in um high def on a big screen because there were some really cool scenes at the end as well. Shout out to Mr. Simple Channel, the person who uploaded this movie with English dubs to YouTube. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. the person, the the person I paid money for to watch this movie. <laughs> how, good, how good were the English dubs? <laughs> the English dubs were really good, especially, especially the Russian character, <laughs> the Russian accent. <laughs> Someone who's clearly not Russian. Well, you, <laughs> that said, you, most you, American films do the same. They love no, the true, Russian character who's probably from Nebraska or something. You you, you said that he was Russian. I, I didn't have any clues that he was well, Russian. When, when I say Russian, large. I mean he has he was growling in a vaguely Slavic <laughs> accent. And yeah, I, I think a Slav is safe. He's definitely a Slav of some kind. And, mm. But like, yeah, I, I'm not sure what um Sino-Russian I mean, relations Croat. were like in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like... Well, I think it's unlikely. So they share a border with Russia. Yeah. And uh, in popular culture, like with American movies, uh, but I'm sure the dynamic is different in China. In America, it's always a Russian because that's the group that you're allowed to hate. Like, it's socially acceptable to dislike that group of people in America. Yes. I'm not sure what's the case in China. It seems in China, at least if Wolf Warrior 2 is anything to go by, just disliking white <laughs> people is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay so putting aside uh, like to go back to the actual plot so now i think that there's there's a certain point where he's um where jiao feng oh no that's not his name lung feng sorry <laughs> terrible i should also names. i should also <laughs> say to everyone that both ed and i speak mandarin <laughs> chinese fluently and yeah, we're, we're if, really there, good. if there are any people in the audience from china or who claim that they speak Mandarin and say that we're mispronouncing. They're wrong. I yeah. I mean, the, I, I'm the, really good at this language. Not only that, English is actually our second language. Um, it's my eighth language. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I speak Mandarin, Mandarin Chinese seven Cantonese. times <clears throat> and English once. Um. Yes. So. So. Okay. So after after Lung Feng um leaves <clears throat> the military for for a while. He he goes um, and he seems to be having quite a good time in a nondescript country in Africa. Like there's there's scenes of him playing soccer when naturally he just is so good at soccer. Oh, like, he's just <laughs> shitting on everyone, and he, he can drink so much more alcohol oh, than everyone yes. else. But that he's such a good where, drinker. Yeah, where he's pounding down beers or something, and he he defeats an African man by yeah, drinking. Yeah. And like, then what? another one angrily comes up and asks who he is and demands that he drinks some. It just looks like drain cleaner. That's what some, I was, wasn't sure about. I thought it was glue. Yeah, it looked like it glue. The methanol <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> they both go blind and the movie ends there. <laughs> but, like, he's so good at drinking whatever it is. And this guy who comes up and has the effrontery to challenge him is obviously mm. pretty good at drinking and he's pretty yeah. slosh. But like, like Lung Feng, I don't think he even exhibits any signs of drunkenness at all. All he does is no. like crush the bottle and smile his big pearly whites. He doesn't even go that red color that a lot of Asian people <clears throat> do when they drink. No, no. In fact, he's he, overcome well, that. He's overcome the lighthouse. 
<laughs> he he never Lung Fung never loses his composure. Whether he's driving a tank, walls are falling on him. He's drinking like huge amounts. He's playing soccer. He's killed about five hundred people in four minutes. He just he never loses it. Yeah, it is. It's one one issue. Maybe the only issue I have with Lang Fang is that he's pretty boring because he's just good at everything. Like yeah. you can imagine something, he's really good at it. Yeah, yeah. and he's got a godson uh, too. There's some. Yeah, some kid, Kundu. Some kids is Kundu. godson. I forget. I forget his name. I think it's Kundu. Is the uh, you're talking about the African gon- godson? Yeah, yeah, Kundu, the African one. Who is um at who who at the so yeah so after he leaves the military he's in some nondescript African country. I don't think we ever get the name of does the African country because no, I remember I don't think there it was does. A, there was a scene where it has there's writing that says something about Africa, but. The quality of the video was too shit, and I couldn't read it. Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't think it's ever mentioned in the dialogue. So, but and they always refer to him as like you know Africa, Africans, the Africans are our friend, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, Lung Fung is in Africa. Um, um, I think in the context of part of you know China's generally um, benevolent infrastructural overseas work so like there are the africans are having fun the chinese are there they're giving out aid packages there's chinese companies doing work uh kundu who is the african kid who's lung fung's um wait what do they call him again or something yeah okay they call him his godson um and kundu is you know uh, a bit of a rapscallion uh at one point, he comes up to Lung Fung, sticks a gun in the small of his back, and then, of course, you know, Lung Fung just um, picks him up, flips him over, and it's like chuckles at him. He's like, ah, you'll do better than that. <laughs> and Kundu is selling pornography, and he's like, what would your mother say? And he tosses the pornography away. So, you know, um, while, again, it's 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 very much the... um. It's very much uh, the the half devil, half child, Kipling esque mm. um, overview we get of uh, Chinese imperialism um, in this nondescript African country. Uh, so that's that's where the scene is set before things start going south. So do you want to describe how things start going south, Jack, and where the uh, action of Wolf Warrior Two begins? Yeah. It's, I, I do think it was important that this movie gave a nod to nofap semen retention edging. The the sigma male lifestyle, Lung Fung took one look at, at the porn CDs that his, <laughs> his godson was trying to sell him, and he said, no way, man, you're not stealing my life force with that. Wait, I haven't sorry, masturbated you... for, for 16 years, and every day I learn a new language through the power of sperm retention. That's what he said. I'm not, at least in the English dubs. I'm not sure what he says in Chinese. But can you, can you I liked that, that part. I, like, he was talking about real issues. <laughs> you used a term that I've never heard. Maybe I've missed an episode. but <laughs> Which one? It was like something, something, Sigma male mindset. <laughs> Don't you know about the Sigma Male grind set? Oh, I mean, I've I've only heard of it on this podcast. I've never independently researched it as a phenomenon. Look, if I'm going to be sincere for a moment, it's absolutely not worth pursuing and not worth wasting your time on. But I do waste my time <laughs> looking looking at these things because I find them funny. Yeah, you you and Levi do talk a lot about Sigma Male grind set, but um, 
I but it has something presumably it has something to do with watching a lot of porn. Which well, is it basically turns you into to Lang Fang from Wolf Warrior Two if you pursue it. If every morning you have you have a, a thirty six hour cold shower in minus twenty <laughs> degree water that's somehow still liquid, so you've got to yep. do that. That's how you start your day. Then you have a four hundred hour workout, high intensity intervals <laughs> as well as heavy weights. Then you finish it up with a run into a cyclone. You can yeah, that's plus minus swimming the English Channel. By that time, you're ready for breakfast, and like that's that's actually a, a trick question, or maybe a trick statement is more more accurate because you're not eating breakfast; you're fasting. You've been fasting for the past two hundred years. <laughs> then you listen to Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, and Gary V speeches at six hundred times speed at the same time, just so you can optimize your learning. For, for the entrepreneurial mindset. You're just you're absorbing this like a sponge. You've already been tweaking your learning routine. You've been you've been taking the right sups. You've been edging. You haven't you well, I mean, your your girlfriend or wife's left you because you haven't had sex with her because you don't want her to steal your sperm because you're retaining that. It it keeps your brain big. Keeps your brain really big. So you're living in a monastery in the Chinese mountains. You've gone full MGTOW. Anyway, what was I saying? We were talking about Wolf Warrior too. Yeah, th- that's how. That's basically ninety-five percent of the plot of Wolf Warrior Two is Lang Fang's Sigma Male grind set. The other five percent is some shit about him saving an African country. I don't know. Yeah. So um um I'm sorry. You just as you're describing that, you just reminded me. I mean, not in their entirety, but you reminded me of so many independent behaviors that so many of my friends recommend to me. Like they don't do all of the things you <laughs> just described, but, but it better be like Levi on decks. I mean, sorry, Levi, 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 normally Levi, <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me to do all these things. <laughs> um, okay. But back to, back to Wolf Warrior. Okay. So, um, he, so he's, uh, okay. So they're so in they're this, basically, um, like he's in some nondescript sub-Saharan African nation. Doesn't matter which yeah. one, just fucking whatever. It's it just just one of them. Still doing Africa. better than the new Top Gun movie where they just bomb a country and never say where it is. It's like, yeah, oh, what, yeah. which people are we killing? I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. Just go blow them up. Shoot a missile at them. Tom Cruise just goes, yeah, fuck yeah. I'll do yeah, it. The, I'm down for yeah. that mission. So Top Wolf Gun, Warrior 2 no is at reason, least um, slightly more rooted in the world than than Top Gun whatever. I forget the name as well. Maverick. Maverick. That's, that's it. Maverick. Yeah. Maverick. Um, but, but I'm just trying to recall, um, how do we get from the point at which um, he's hanging out with Kundu, he's um, uh, displaying an avuncular sort of relationship guiding uh kundu away from hedonistic decadent western practices like uh being a pornography (laughs) vendor um how do we get from there to the action because at one point i've just written down a quote where at one point it says you're being sent to the border (laughs) for a mission you're being sent to the border for a mission Um, so setting setting the stage there's there's, there's. I think the prime minister is giving a speech, and he talks about the red scarf oh, rebel army, yep. who yep. are a group of rebels, and they wear red scarves, and mm. that is the extent of their political doctrine. They like the color red, they like scarves. They put the two together. 
you've got a civil war. <laughs> there's also that's right. Some there's some viral disease, Lamanna or Lamum, some some Lamanna. Yeah, that's it. I wrote it down. Yeah, Lamanna. I I, I, I spelt it Lamanya because, but I, I don't think they have like that weird Spanish N. But that's how it sounded, Lamanya, La or Lamanha or something like that. Yeah, and. Leng Fang is playing soccer and just just absolutely dunking on everyone. He takes his shirt off and is showing off his he, he roars admittedly one of them. quite like, underwhelming guns. This is a an area where American eighties action movies are definitely far ahead of Wolf Warrior Two. How aesthetic the and his his jaw is nowhere near square enough. The heroes are by aesthetic. I mean. How to to what extent do they resemble a porterhouse steak on legs? You've got Arnie, you've got Sylvester Stallone, you, all all the good, all all the all the classic actors, the ones who could do capital A acting, not like all the yeah. lame people in Hollywood now who I bet don't even weigh one hundred and forty kilos at five percent body fat. It's it's pathetic. I mean, what's acting come to? Although, look, in, in Wolf Warrior's defence, this is probably one of the rare areas in which it strays into a greater realism than Hollywood because yeah, you, you, your standard... I'm not even sure if the Wolf Warriors is a real thing, but like let's assume they are and they're something equivalent to, I don't know, SEAL Team 6 or something. Like, they're probably like... He's probably the right body shape. Like He's really lean. He's really agile. He's really flexible. He can like you know do backflips and stuff. No, whereas, no, this, um, this is where you're wrong. My... My extensive military training has I've been I've been in multiple special forces. I still am. Um, and what I've come to realize is that your combat ability is directly proportional to your muscularity. And it there's no upper limit. It's not asymptotic. Just the more, it's it's actually it's exponential. Just yeah. The the more lean mass you have, you become exponentially more deadly in combat. I suppose I should have known that though, because muscle maketh the man, as Sun Tzu said. <laughs> I think that's a Sun Tzu quote. <laughs> yeah, I think that was actually it's from the Art of War. Yeah. It's in in between his dietary advice and his um his D ball cycles. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. So, he, so no, but so 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 he's he's playing soccer and he's much better than everyone. And then the Red Scarf Army shop and just starts shooting people, and then the action starts. And yes, yep. this is the the action in this movie is really good. Mm. There's this great scene where Fang's leading this group of 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 Africans who who when they're not being led by a Chinese person just run around seemingly randomly, mm. but when they are led by a Chinese person, suddenly they stop they stop being able to be shot mm. and yeah. know exactly where to go. Oh, it's very good of him to lead them, but he's leading this group of African people. Oh, and this Chinese guy he meets who momentarily seems to insinuate that he no longer identifies with China. But then when when things go down, when the shooting starts, then he wants to go to the Chinese embassy. Are you talking he, about he, the um the, the Chinese shopkeeper? Because there's yeah, the, Chinese the Chinese shopkeeper, shopkeeper. Who, who, who at one point tries to, I think, overcharge Lung Fung for something. And Lung Fung says to him, 
we we are both Chinese. It's not right. <laughs> and this and and this shopkeeper is like you no. Know, the insinuation or the implication is that this is just like a shopkeeper. He's a little bit shifty, as people who engage in capitalist um behavior naturally are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's trying to go, get go along to get along, or get along to go along. However, whichever way it goes. <clears throat> and then when the revolutionaries or the rebels, the 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 red the red scarved bad guys get in, like the shopkeeper shows them like a flag and claims that he supports the rebel cause. But once the um, rebels start killing people and then Lung Fung just kicks the living shit out of everyone inside oh, yeah, and crazy. then leads them to the Chinese embassy, the shit out of them. Then, it, then I think he realizes he comes back from his, um, you know, moral flirtation with the forces of evil and um, re-embraces his Chinese destiny. Yeah, he, but, he um, remembers his, his racial affinity. Yeah, yeah, but um, it's, uh, but he's so, but he's Lung Fung is so he's 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 called up. He said, I think after this, he said, you know, you're going to be sent to the border for a mission. But we also have to remember that he's the lone wolf, so he probably doesn't want to get back into the fray. But there was a really good quote which I liked, where somebody asks him, "Why did you join the army?" and he replies, "I'd rather regret joining than not joining." <laughs> <laughs> we, he's actually managed not to say anything with that statement, but it sounds very good. <laughs> well, I mean, but but it it it, it, re, it reverses the you know the assumed hierarchy. It's not you know it's um the, the Western yeah, hierarchy. Like, yeah, like of course, of course, like you know the 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 presumption is in favour of joining and being part of the the PLA. I do want to say though, before they get to the the coast and he's given his mission because they go to the the Chinese embassy and there's this excellent scene. So you and I keep bringing up the racial dimension of this movie and to this point it's been very, very patronising. So black Africans are, are shown to be very good-natured and extremely incompetent in this movie and really exist to be led by a, a kind Chinese hand. Mm. But it it becomes much more explicit when they reach the Chinese embassy because Lang Fang and his his um, his group of followers are all hiding behind cars and things while the rebels are shooting at them and stuff like that. And then mm. the Chinese ambassador walks out of the gates <clears throat> of the Chinese embassy and holds mm. up his hands and I quote, "Stand down, stand down. We are Chinese. We are Chinese." <laughs> China and Africa are partners. And the, the rebels just turn around and go. <laughs> I think there are a few points in this movie where Lang Feng walks up to people with guns and holds out his hand and goes, I am Chinese. And they, <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah, stop attacking him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like there's this assumed affinity or natural bond between the Chinese and the African peoples, and it seems sometimes to cross the, even the boundaries between like the quote unquote good Africans who are I guess the the protectorate or under the protect, protection of the Chinese, and even like the rebels who who know the Chinese <clears throat> are in some way like fierce fighters or very good, but. Is it is it when they get to the embassy that we have that fabulous scene where the ambassador calls up the prime minister, the current prime minister of the African country that is besieged by the rebels? Is that 
at the embassy where that happens? It's either there or so they ba- they all they drive in a convoy to Chinese warships which have come in to evacuate Chinese people. Mm. It's either it's either in the Chinese embassy or on one of the Chinese warships where the Chinese ambassador talks to the um he talks to the prime minister of whichever African nation this is. Yeah, and, and at this point, we don't know precisely. We, we know that there's a rebel takeover of the nondescript African country. We don't know precisely why. We know that there is a Lamagna outbreak, and Lamagna is apparently a disease which will kill you in five to six months, but for which there is currently no cure or no cure that we know at this point in the film. But we do know that the rebel forces are very keen to get their hands on a particular Chinese scientist named Dr. Chen. So when the ambassador, you know, he, he wants to go on the horn to the prime minister um, of the country, uh, uh, and the ambassador gets on the horn to the prime minister, on the telephone, I should say. <laughs> the horn is probably an Australian locution, I'm not sure. Um, uh, doesn't he, we? The, uh, <laughs> I think the ambassador gets the time don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> the ambassador gets onto the telephone with the prime minister of the country and the prime minister of the country is being held at gunpoint by the rebels and um, the ambassador wants the prime minister to uh, convey Dr. Chen to uh, safety and he says to him, quote, Mr. Prime Minister, I'm sure you have not forgotten the help of our country, you know, China, <laughs> not forgotten the help our country has provided to yours, Africa. Dr. Chen is very important to our country. And the Prime Minister responds, I'm sorry, you're on your own this time. And then the rebels kill him. <laughs> yeah, he just, he, so at first it seems like this is a, a perfidious African turning his back mm. on Chinese benevolence. But actually, he was, he was taking yeah. one for the team. By one for the team, I mean a bullet in the head when he refuses <laughs> to give up Dr. Chen's position. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, I must say that actually did surprise me. I mean, because I'm maybe because I watch too much Western propaganda, I just sort of assume that the prime minister of an African country is going to be a dastardly, you know, sort. But he, <laughs> but, but he actually he he takes one for the um, Chinese team, if not my team, I guess. <laughs> my team being the European team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in this movie, across the board, anyone in a position of legitimate authority, and by legitimate authority, I mean state authority, is good. Yep. Yeah. State state yeah. power in this film is strongly positively balanced. Yeah, yeah, that's actually true because at the start of it, I wasn't really sure whether there was going to be a sort of pro-revolution, as in revolutionaries are ipso facto good, or statists are ipso facto good. I mean, obviously one becomes the other, but um, any, but as you say, anyone in an established position of authority at this point in time um, is a very, very good thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a strongly pro-authority film. Oh, then, okay, ah, so... no, that's that subplot with the bullet, remember? Oh, that's right. Lang I had, I had a note about that. has got this weirdo-looking bullet around his neck. Yep. And it, he goes around at the start of the film asking people where it came from. Then we kind of forget about it for the rest of the film until the very end. It was, it's, it's the bullet that was, it was a, used to kill his girlfriend or something like that. Uh, it ter- turns out basically 
the oh. Dyson military corporation something something the bad guys in this movie use those yeah. bullets and Lang Feng finds out that they're the, they were the ones who who killed his girlfriend or apparently killed his girlfriend. Yeah, I mean we are anyway. Um, I think we, we got, got that plot point out of the way. It it's it's basically forgotten about for most of the film, and I forgot about it as well. But, but I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I I don't want to forget it later, and I am jumping ahead. But like, there is an extraordinary scene where I think he's got the bullet on a necklace, and then one of the bad guys shoots him, and then the bullet that is as the necklace stops the bullet that he's <laughs> been shot at, and then he realizes they're the same bullet, and that's how he realizes that they killed his girlfriend. <laughs> anyway, but that's that's getting that's getting that's getting into Big Daddy territory. So, um, Big Daddy <clears throat> is such a good character. Yeah. Anyway, okay. What's, oh yeah. So so what's his face? Lang Fang gets sent on a mission to go save a bunch of Chinese forty-seven trapped Chinese and yeah. Doctor Chen. Yeah, and Doctor Chen, and he also decides he's going to go and save Tundu's mum, who's. Trapped oh, yeah. at a factory with some other Chinese people, and yes. we meet we meet this naval captain who's again he's the personification of benevolent order mm. in the in this movie, and he sends he refuses to commit any troops besides Lang Fang because the UN what hasn't approved <laughs> yeah. them yet. There's this, That's right. Most things in this film. That, I mean, I'm sure there there was Chinese Communist Party input into the plot of this film, but they really want to convey that they will only act globally with the UN's authorization. Yeah, there's a lot of UN references, and that, that's again, again, he doesn't, he never goes outside the rules, um, but, but, yeah, but he's, I, I guess, I guess, Lung Feng acts within the. Within the global rules, maybe established by UN or the assumed conventions of you know UN laws of warfare or whatever, um, the the PLA has to wait until it gets official official uh, sanction from the UN to do anything. But Lang Fang can go and um, engage in extremely dangerous you know one versus a thousand missions to um, save Chinese people. I think that's the whole thing. But but he he himself never breaks any rules. No, naturally. so far as I know, yeah. Okay, Apart so from shooting so, a bunch of people in a foreign country, he does. I, mean, I still he don't kills think, so many people. Even if, even if you're not associated with the PLA, I don't think you can go to an a nondescript African country and just shoot a ton of people. He killed so many people in this movie. But that, I'm I'm not sure that that's actually legal. Well, yeah, but they're non-state actors. Mm, that's true. That's true. <laughs> they basically they basically former persons. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they stepped out of the state's warm embrace, they ceased to be moral agents. Okay, so um, now is it where does Lung Fung go first? Does he go to the factory and save Kundu's mother first, or is, and then go to? No, nah, he goes. Find Dr. He goes Chen? to the the hospital first. The hospital that. Chinese people built, I should add. And when I say yes. I should add, the film adds this several times. <laughs> just just in case it were unambiguous that the Chinese presence in nondescript African nation was anything but angelic. 
I mean, yeah. secular angelic. Of course, the mm. they, the Chinese Communist Party have no time for things like religion. It's no. secularly angelic party. Mm-hmm. It's really good. This is where we're introduced to the European mercenaries. Mm. So I, Langfang's warned away from pursuing this mission. It's too dangerous because the Red Scarf Army have paid for a few few um, European mercenaries and they're, they're very, very good, but obviously they're not wolf warrior quality. And no. in the hospital, these European mercenaries, it's with the Dyson something group, have all yeah. of the Chinese people lined up and are asking them where Dr. Chen is. And mm. one woman stands up and says, I'm Dr. Chen. And mm. the, the person whom I assumed was Russian, but he's, he's just a generic, angry, Slavic man, one of the, the, <laughs> the European mercenaries, make some comment that it looks like Dr. Chen has no balls. And I, yeah, just, yeah. I wonder what it is in Chinese if it's as, as, as brain dead equipped in Mandarin as it is in English. Also, shout out to the, the voice actor who was doing the dub for the generic Slavic man. He's got, he's, he's got a very convincing pan-Slavic accent. Yeah. It looks like Dr. Chen has no balls. <laughs> it's just too good. Like, like a, a few a few people stand up and say, you know, because there's sort of a um, yeah, we will all take the sacrifice sort of feel to the Chinese people. So, like, a yeah, few of them yeah, do yeah, stand yeah. up and say, "I'm Dr. Chen." No, I'm Dr. Chen. <laughs> and then this woman stands up and she says, "I'm Dr. Chen," um, and that's when he he makes the um the wise crack about looks like Dr. Chen's got no balls. Um, but then, but then yeah. a, a well-meaning but obviously not as intellectually capable as a Han Chinese person and an African person pipes up and says, that's not Dr. Chen, that's Dr. Rachel. She's a very good doctor. And you can tell so that this person had the best of intentions. But yeah. as per Wolf Warrior 2's racial logic being black she just isn't as sophisticated as all of the chinese people the chinese people knew to confuse the mm. the european mercenaries intellectually <laughs> but unfortunately <laughs> un- unfortunately the the good-natured africans couldn't follow suit and dr yep. rachel will be will be an important character for for a good portion of the movie, I wasn't sure if Dr. Rachel was Chinese or white, and so I wasn't sure how seriously I should take her according to Wolf Warrior 2 logic. I'm pretty mm. sure she's meant to be white because her name's Rachel like Prescott or something really, really English-sounding, and she's American, yeah. but I, I wasn't sure because yeah. the, the quality of the video I was watching was pretty shit, and she's got this makeup on that makes her look like she could be Chinese, but maybe not. It's sort of like well, that I mean, makeup that Korean people sometimes wear, you know, that white makeup that makes them look like I mean, half... T- t- to, me, to, to me it seemed... I mean, g- given that they actually did a reasonable job in casting people into their correct racial categories, I mean, more or less, <laughs> um, like 
she, 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 like her, she's, she's an American. We know that her name is, as you say, like Dr. Rachel Preston Smith or something like something mm. ostentatiously American, but she's, yeah, she's yeah, clearly yeah. Eurasian. She's clearly Eurasian. Like she's definitely like got like a foot, a foot in both continents. And, um, there is a point at like, you know, at, at one point, you know, she's, um, hopeful that the Americans will come and save her, but that's, but she, she knows better. So like, I'm not sure if it was intentional or not, but there is certainly a racial subtext there where, um, she's I'm half sure white, she's intentional. half Asian, half white, half Asian, and it's the Asian side that wins out morally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess that's why she's a trustworthy character in the end, because she has enough yep. Han in her not mm. to be a perfidious Westerner. <laughs> and so in in the hospital basically Mr. Angry Slav and some blonde some blonde woman she's white so we know she can't be trusted but she also doesn't speak so I don't know where she's from but but yeah but in Wolf Warrior 2 you only need to look at someone to know whether they're they're trustworthy or not so at least everything's color coded she they they shoot Dr. Chen dead <laughs> Because he he gets up and tries to stab the Russian man when the Russian man is manhandling someone, Mm. and they this lady just blows Doctor Chen away, and Mister Angry Slav gets angry with this lady for killing Doctor Chen. She just doesn't give a shit because she's white and has no no sense of morality. Oh, that's that's Athena. Athena, right? Is her name Athena? Maybe wait. is, Is that the blonde bird? The the blonde one, yeah, the one with the sniper yeah. rifle. Yeah, that's that that's that's well, I just looked it up before in Google. Her name is Athena. I I'm pretty sure Athena. Yep, Athena. Athena. Okay, so yep. she's probably probably a nasty Greek woman. Yep, but like this is also where like the like because the rebels have an agenda. They want Doctor Chen for some kind of reason, but then these you know European mercenaries who know nothing but violence and money they they make the mistake of just blowing Doctor Chen away. <laughs> and then and then suddenly when it when it looks like Doctor Rachel's in trouble as well. Lang Feng drives a fucking jeep through the <laughs> through the wall. It starts running over people. It's it's really good, and it's now we we get to see the white people in action. And it's interesting in this movie. It's like in Did you ever play Diablo two? Because it's like Diablo oh, two. I'm where afraid not. In in this movie, black people are like trash mobs. So many black people get killed in this movie. They just get. <laughs> Moan down like anything, but the the white people are like mini bosses. They're like elite enemies. You've got to you've got to put a lot of effort into bringing down a white combatant. Yeah, while and I was then, um, watching this film last night, I, I messaged Jack and I said, "This this oh, I didn't know her name then, but I said this blonde chick sure can take a lot of hits." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, she she just keeps getting back up. <laughs> These Europeans are invincible to the end. Like until the end, when they become uninvincible. Yeah, yeah. It 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 takes a lot of effort to bring down a white person. So white people <laughs> clearly are morally suspect, but physically very capable, highly highly capable. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah, and and black people in this film seem to be physically quite incapable, but very good natured, and it's. It's only in the Han Chinese where the, the spheres of physical and intellectual perfection are married together. 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you've got you've got the the Europeans who are like muscular devils. You've got the blacks who are yeah, half really devils, half child. Well. Yeah, yeah. It, like, <laughs> I mean, like, like. There's. No, I don't think. I don't think there's a single instance of a black person fighting effectively in this film. I mean, the, the rebels have guns and they shoot people, but I think they only ever kill other black people, and they, yeah, they never I think do it's it in other black people. And they except never do it in the, spectacular except for fashion. Tundu's mum, who's the comic relief black character, I think she <laughs> she hits a soldier on the head with a series of bottles and a tire or something. It's it's, it's very comical. So in her bumbling yeah. way, she yeah. she dispatched a, a soldier, as as you said, actually a a black soldier. No, yeah. Yeah. no black people in this film ever managed to to bag a white person. That's reserved for the the Han. The they, characters in this they, 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 they never express agency of any kind. <laughs> like, like, if, even when, even when you've got, the, even when the rebels who are ostensibly hiring or in control of the mercenaries, like, get a little bit too uppity, the mercenaries just it's kill them. Bossed around by the white people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, Lang Fang gets um gets Rachel <laughs> and oh fuck that's right Doctor Chen has this so there's a a black like a child I don't know how old she is say so she's ten or something called Marsha yes. or Pasha or something P- Portia Portia I think Portia yeah that's what yeah, I yeah and down. he says that she's his daughter yeah which makes no sense on this face <laughs> she doesn't but... look remotely Chinese. <laughs> I mean, but I I just assumed adopted at this point. I I was, you know, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. But it wasn't very plausible. But anyway, anyway, yeah. So they those three escape in a car and get chased by. Oh, th- yeah. They sorry, get- but before before um, Doctor Chen, Doctor Chen is as he lays dying. Doctor Chen says, "Quote: This is my daughter, Portia. Protect her. I beg of you." Mm, mm. I mean, he's selfless okay. to the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we don't know why she's so important yet. Okay, yeah. so now they, they're escaping. Yep. Yeah, they go through a shantytown, just tear it to pieces. So <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got um, Marsha or Pasha. You've got Rachel and Lang Fang in a jeep. And they're getting chased by... So there's the Russian guy who's got this... He's got a a truck with a minigun on the top of it, and then the <laughs> the blonde lady is chasing them on a motorbike, and then you've got the comic relief vehicle, which is some dune buggy, naturally, in uh, Wolf Warrior 2 land, crewed only by black people, and it, it just crashes. It's, it's, it's by far the most ineffective of the, of the pursuing vehicles because by the film's racial logic, it must... <laughs> I, I must, I must, I must say at this a, point As soon as you see a character in this movie Based on their skin colour You know exactly what role they're going to serve I must say like, As I was watching this last night I was messaging Jack and I was saying "Oh, This is actually disappointingly Not racist or not as racist As I thought it would be But now that we're actually recounting the plot No, it's, it's, how it's all extremely the, racist how, how all the black like Once it clicked for me just in the last half an hour That there's no instance of a black person behaving with any kind of competence. <laughs> no, like, they're, they're, 
very good natured and incredibly incompetent. <laughs> the, the fate of the entire country comes down to like probably five or six white people versus a handful of Chinese guys duking it out and the entire population of the country just kind of stands by them, lets them do it. And it's, it's not even a lot of European mercenaries. It's, as you say, about five or six of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not that and many. they're not even all European. So the, the subordinate whites are European, but Big Daddy, who's calling the shots, is an American. Uh, and he's, yeah. he's by far the most morally culpable character. Oh, I really yeah. want... Is this how Chinese people see us? Well, us. There are no Australians in the film, I don't think. There are no Australians. Well... <laughs> Well, okay, so how, how they see did... white people. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure, is there, oh, no, there, there might have been one black guy with the mercenary, oh, actually, or was there? No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like one of Big Daddy's, like, um, most important, important lieutenants was a black guy. But was he an American black guy? Was he an African-American guy? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like like there was maybe one capable black guy, but he was one of Big Daddy's lieutenants. <laughs> he was and, American, um, and I think he was American. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was American. Like uh, he was a guy who like knew how to fire guns, knew how to use binoculars, and um, practical things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I say us, I mean you and I are both white. <laughs> I wonder if this is how Chinese people see white people <laughs> as, as physically imposing. Brutish and stupid. <laughs> oh, but I mean, yeah, it's interesting though. But there, like, there is a racial gradation because obviously Big Daddy. So Big Daddy's the chief American mercenary. Mm. He mm. is he is mm. very competent and very violent and very dangerous. But then there are gradations of other sort of whites um, down to the Slavic guy who is the, just the sheer muscle just and brute. Animal. <laughs> yeah, so he's not calling he a shot. He barely shots. speaks as well. <laughs> yeah. And when he but speaks, it's in, the, it's in the most wonderful pan-Slavic accent. <laughs> okay, so back to the plot. They're escaping in, um, I don't know where they're going. Where are they going at this point? They crash, they crash, like they dispatch all of their their pursuers and the, the I think the black guys driving the dune buggy just dispatch themselves by... Stacking it into a into a house or something, uh, and that they crash into this pit of dead bodies who all who've all died from Lamala or Lamania, oh, whatever yeah. it's I forgot what it's called. The disease, yep, the bad disease, yeah, the not Ebola disease, yeah. And Leng Feng has a cut on his arm, and it, he gets some I don't know dead body juices or something from the the pit of corpses in it. Yep. And they get surrounded by by black people here, and it's almost like they're zombies. They're all staring dead-eyed <laughs> and slowly <laughs> shuffling towards our heroes. And then Rachel, Rachel gets some food out and gives it to them, and just the scene suddenly changes, and the black people are, like, thanking them and applauding. And they drive off and people are singing after them mm. and dancing. It's, it's very heartwarming. Uh... <laughs> Whoa. S -s what? Sorry, something started playing on my... Um... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I just had a, 
I had a um, a tab open that started like playing a video about the first lady of Florida for a moment. <laughs> sorry, sorry <laughs> interruption. Um, <laughs> that was like suddenly, <laughs> so, run to suddenly, Santa's videos <laughs> while watching Wolf Warrior. <laughs> No. I I had like I I had my Chrome browser open and then like I forgot I, I forgot that my Brave browser had opened a documentary about Casey DeSantis, the first lady of Florida. Sorry. Okay, I've closed those tabs. Uh, that, that's an insight into uh, what Ed does on his spa- is with his spare time. Watch his Wolf um, Warrior okay. 2 um, and DeSantis videos. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but there's there's one point, um, which is there's this really good line where I don't know at what point in the escape they're in, but it's when um, Lung Fung and I think Kundu and um, Dr. Rachel or whatever uh, are getting away. And... Um, <laughs> Lung Fung says with a knowing smile. No, no, she says, she says like, oh, you know, the Americans, because she's an American, she says the oh, Americans will come and get really us. Good. And he says, quote, with a knowing smile on his face, you think your Marines are the best in the world? Where are they? Then where are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're surrounded by lions at this point. Like actual lions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's so that's the point at which I think it clicks for her, and she um, realizes that the white part of her blood is not <laughs> you, to be trusted. You missed out another really good quote where Fang looks out at the lions and says, "Your GIs are here." And oh yeah, drives away. Also, at this point, Rachel is trying to let. Let the embassy know what happened, or let the American military know what's going on in nondescript African nation by sending them a message on Twitter, and Feng's just laughing at her while he's driving. <laughs> and then he taunts her by saying, "Yeah, my my boy, the 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 Chinese naval captain saw the American ships, the American Navy getting out of the port of this African nation. Mm. Only the Chinese are here anymore. And she, she just throws her phone across the car and swears because she's an irrational white and she just can't control her emotions. While Iceman yeah, yeah. Leng Feng keeps driving. He's the practical one. And, that, and yes, the, the black yes. girl is, is quiet in the back seat. Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter what age she is. By by racial implication, she would just be, you know, doing what it she's told, or or she 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 is. Um, all the Africans are the charges of the Europeans or the Chinese or the Chinese. <laughs> well, I mean, of, the, it, of the Europeans or the Chinese, but you you can you can see only the Chinese are benevolent masters. Yes. So uh, what? So okay. Uh, is it then we get to the point where they find like this um, uh, Chinese military redoubt and where we're introduced to the um, plucky, thin, young Chinese uh, guy and then the, like all the... Uh, I, I, I lose the, they get, the, the thread a little bit here. Like there's they get all the blacks factory. and all the Chinese are hanging out. Yeah. They get to some factory and Leng Feng's <clears throat> on his way there because he's still got to save Tundu's mum. Oh, that's right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yes. So he's yeah. 
I didn't really get this. So I understand the whole we're going to go save Dr. Chen thing, which didn't work out because he got he got shot along with all of the other Chinese healthcare workers. Oh, yeah, the big daddy and his his um, mercenaries just blow up the hospital afterwards. Killed oh, all the Chinese right. people there. Oh, I just realised too that I, I think I got confused before. I said it was Kundu in the backseat. It's Porsche in the backseat. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's what's his face, Doctor? What's his face's doctor, not daughter? Doctor Doctor Chen's, Chen's daughter, daughter, Porsche. <laughs> daughter, not daughter, Porsche. But is uh, I, I don't know where Kundu comes and goes. I can't really track Kundu's movements to be honest. Well, he he was just sitting on the. Oh, that's right, because the the PLA are renowned for their generosity, particularly to non Han Chinese people, and they just let him yeah. on their warship. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, because he's observing the action from a distance for a lot of the film, isn't he? And he's a comic relief character, so whenever you get scenes with him, he's just stuffing his face with Snickers bars and stuff (laughs) like that. He's always eating. (laughs) (laughs) He he and his mum are the comic relief in this movie. (laughs) Okay, so they they get to the factory in order to save Kundu's mother because although this isn't, like... Uh, a critical objective, I guess. It's morally important because um, because Lung Feng is the godfather of Kundu, so he needs to save Kundu's mother. Um, and this is interesting. So he's doing something here which is not state mandated. Yeah, yeah. So this it's morally mandated. It's or morally maybe, mandated. Maybe but this, this is, is a the same character thing. imperfection that by the end of the movie will have been stamped out. When he literally wraps himself in the Chinese flag and it protects him <laughs> from getting shot at. Yeah, I, I, I guess one that's of the not metaphorical. Been, he that that just does happen. <laughs> that, that, that does happen. <laughs> the, 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 there's one. There's 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 like a thought that I've been wrestling with um, throughout this podcast, which is like there's per, there's perfect moral objectives and there's perfect state objectives, and mm. they are never in contradiction but they are at times hard to reconcile. But he does, in fact, reconcile them perfectly, I think. I think that's right. Yeah, by, by always choosing the, the state imperatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he can do both. No, or, or rather, perhaps the state imperatives are what allows him to fulfil the perfect interpersonal morality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's within <laughs> the state framework that he is perfected as a moral agent. <laughs> Everything within the state, nothing outside the state. <laughs> this, it's when they get to the factory that we meet. His name's Draw Yifan, and he's he's this young, handsome soldier who's really, really cocky. And he, yeah, he he scares the women, Rachel and the girl Portia or whatever her name is, by playing with the knife near them, and they look extremely uh, uncomfortable. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, Fang doesn't approve because Fang Fang knows how women work, how women and children yep. work, and looks on disapprovingly. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the movie is also quite sexist. However, I feel like American action movies from the eighties were much more openly sexist than they were openly racist. So that's not really a point of distinction to be made between between this and something like Commando. No, nah, no, nah, it's it's not it's not extraordinarily sexist. It's just like no, no, run run of the mill sexist. Yeah, yeah, it's 
the the sexism wasn't the part that was that set this movie apart for me. That was the the intense <laughs> patronizing racism. <laughs> so w- when they get to the factory, we meet we meet this um this young this young buck this young thruster who's um playing with knives, um and whatever. Is this also where we meet the PLA veteran who must be about yeah, seventy years old? Yeah, what was that guy's old? name? He's, oh, I just I'll... know him as that old PLA guy. Okay, I'm just looking at the the cast on Google now. His name is Hei Jun Guo. As in H E J I A N G U O. Old PLA. We'll just call him Old PLA guy because I old can't pronounce PLA. it. Yeah. He he and um so he's he's quiet, reserved. He's seen it all. He's served mm-hmm. his country with distinction. Yep. He's probably shot a bunch of Western pig dogs as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> you you, you <laughs> your ass he has. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say that so. that contrast with draw your fan who's whose heart's in the right place. He's just hot-headed. He's hot-headed in his love for for China. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. He's hot-headed uh, in his love for China, but he but he you know, he he shows his metal um as the movie progresses. But so well, uh, okay, yeah, I mean he he is Chinese, so he has shown his metal as soon as he appears, but he he demonstrates the validity of racially categorizing characters in this movie. By his yeah. subsequent actions, yes, yes, yes. I mean, sometimes it does take a while to um become who you fully are. <laughs> now, um, okay. So at the factory, wait, we're at we're at. Uh, just clarify this for me. We are at we are at the factory now, and and uh, and uh, I keep forgetting the young buck's name. What's the young buck's name? Um, Jal Yifan. We just call him young buck. Okay, so young buck, young buck old PLA, and old PLA. They are pre- they are protecting the factory. Is that what's going on, or am I getting yeah? Because there are a bunch of Chinese people. There are a bunch of Chinese and African workers in the factory, and a mm. UN rescue helicopter is going to come that next day, yep. and that was organised by the ambassador and Fang on the phone. And <laughs> there's this. There's a dastardly. This might be the only bad Chinese character, actually, or at least m- morally ambiguous. It's the supervisor of the factory starts dividing ah, up. That's right. All yeah. the workers and saying like, Ch- Chinese per- Chinese people on this side of me and African people on this side of me. That's right. And that's right. Yeah, yeah, and obviously Fang is is disgusted, and eventually Fang just takes charge and just says he brought the helicopter, and so. Everyone, everyone will be is evacuated. Coming. Women and children and they first, all celebrate. then men afterwards. Yes, then everyone, I love that. Women and children first, then men afterwards. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and everyone cheers. And Rachel is obviously just just gushing wet for fame oh, at is, the moment. She, she just, she she's desperate for his cock. Yeah, I mean, to come across someone who is not only so morally but libidinally upright is a rarity yeah, in yeah. society. But she young can Fung, just she can just oof. sense that he has yeah. never been tainted by pornography in his life. Now, I think this is where we get a brief respite from the unrelenting violence, and there's a bit of a party <laughs> scene where where like all the Africans are dancing, and where oh, where this- I where. 
<laughs> this might have been one of the most racist scenes in what is otherwise quite a racist movie. <laughs> You've got all these Africans who are dancing around, like having a good time around the fire. They're eating food, whatever. They've just been told that they're going to be escorted um, as well as the they're, Chinese. And they're, the PLA... They're playing oil cans. They're playing like oil drums like djembes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and then, but wait, you got... I just have to say this. You've got... I know. I know you know which quote I'm going to say. The PLA no, guy, no, no, who's say, who's who's the you've got the PLA veteran who's seen it all. He he's talking to Young Fung, or and they're, they're just like reminiscing on good old times, and they are like above, like literally like above, looking down on the Africans dancing and playing the djembes and so forth. And with a knowing <laughs> chuckle, the PLA guy says to Young Fung, he says, "Quote." Doesn't matter to our African friends. War, poverty, famine. You give, you get them around a bonfire, and it all goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter to our African friends. War, poverty, famine. You get them around a bonfire, and it all goes away. I like. Extraordinary. Shortly after that, Fang and Old PLA are drinking. With each other and demonstrating to each other that they're both very good at consuming alcohol. <laughs> and old PLA guy turns to Fang and goes, Africa, great foods, great scenery, hot women. And they both <laughs> laugh knowingly. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Like that was that was interesting to me that like like uh, like that they um that, that they were turned on by the African chicks. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't any real there wasn't much of a sexual subtext to the to the movie otherwise, but I did appreciate no, that, I mean, that they thought they thought the radical. Africans, but apart they from thought that, the Africans were fuckable as well, though. Yeah, at least old PLA that smelly horn dog yeah. was <laughs> lusting after them. <laughs> what the fuck was he doing there, actually? Because all we know, know about him is that he was in the PLA, but why is he? Why is he in some factory in Africa? I I, I can my I, my only my only um interpretation might be that you know it's a dangerous part of the world. Um, the Chinese are you know building infrastructure and you know hospitals and medicine factories and good things, and you just need a bit of protection in those parts. So mm, you've got an mm. old PLA vet who's maybe providing some security, but I, I don't think it's explained. But it is explained that he, he likes the food and he likes the women there. Oh, yeah. yeah he does. He does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, their so party gets next? crashed. Their party gets crashed. Ra- Rachel's been eye-fucking yeah. Fang across this warehouse the entire time <laughs> while the Africans have been forgetting the four horsemen of the apocalypse with their bonfire and <laughs> playing, playing drums on anything they can get their hands on. But... The rebel forces are, are stealthily surrounding this place. Mm. Uh, while, while Big Daddy's sitting in a, a truck or something like that with a bunch of drones flying around, he's watching it all while he's smoking a cigar and drinking whiskey <laughs> and, and laughing to himself as he watches the, the, the rebels surrounding this, um, this factory and preparing to massacre everyone inside. I missed that. I didn't realize he was smoking a cigar and drinking whiskey. No, so, That's so terrific. first of all, he's smoking a cigar. And in my notes, I have he's smoking a cigar. And then I think, so the, the blonde lady, was it Athena or something, 
has a sniper mm. rifle and she tries to shoot Fang, but he sees oh, her yeah. and dodges the bullet. <laughs> and then it cuts back to Big Daddy and now he's got a tumbler of whiskey in his hand as well as the cigar. <laughs> <laughs> It's the, the depiction of Americans. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So there's an all-out fight um, with like yeah. there's lots of there's lots of drones being fucked up. Heaps of Africans are killed as they always are. Um, and no Feng, white people. Oh wait, yeah, no. Feng, I think one or two white people die. Do they? I think yeah, because there's that there's that white mercenary who fights Fang, but Fang's feeling a bit sick. From the Lamana or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, and so he's got so the he's, disease he's, at this point. Yeah, he's not on his game. Mm. And this um, this mercenary <clears throat> looks like he he's overpowering Fang, and says and asks Fang something like, "Why you're not a soldier anymore? So why are you still fighting?" And then Fang just overpowers him and kills him without answering. <laughs> it's like no, my yeah. My patriotism doesn't need a, a, a uniform or anything like that. Which, which harkens back to the earlier, the earlier quote about, you know, um, you may lose or rebuke the uniform, but the duty remains, as does the respect for you and the uniform. Like, so you yeah, never naturally. stop being a soldier. Yeah. Yeah, and basically okay. it's Fang and old PLA and young Buck are just, are just ruining so many drones. <laughs> They're shooting so many black people, and they kill at least one, maybe two, white people, which is a, a significant loss to the yeah. the mercenaries' cause because to the forces of Europe, <laughs> to the forces of Europe, because <laughs> they're like the mini bosses. They're they're very very valuable units, and so Big Daddy angrily decides to join the fray, but then the rebel commander calls them off. When it looks like Fang is done for, he's cornered, he's running out of ammo, he's injured. Uh, and the rebel yeah. commander, so, so Big Daddy reluctantly withdraws with all of his, his European buddies. And the rebel commander gives him a dressing down and says, I quote, China is a permanent member of the UN Security Council. <laughs> <laughs> And then Big Daddy just stabs the rebel commander dead. <laughs> Wait, he stabs him just through the throat, and yeah, then he, he just... says to like he says to the lieutenant of the um of the rebel commander, he's like, "What does he say?" He says something like, "Like now you're in charge, as long as you do yeah. whatever we say, or something like that." I don't know. And he he says something like, "Kill Feng, and I'll make you king." Yep, yep, yep. And the and the the lieutenant rebel commander's like. Yes, sir, or something like that. Yeah, I think he actually does call Big Daddy sir. Yeah, which yeah, it's I guess it's just a continuation of this movie's deeper deeper themes of racial dynamics, wherein <laughs> black, just the, the black people in this movie have no agency and will <laughs> immediately defer to a, a a a white person if there is not a Han Chinese person to defer to preferentially. Okay, so just just to clarify though, the, so the reason that the rebel leader um, calls off Big Daddy is because they want to take over the country, but they don't. But like they 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 know they don't want to piss off the Chinese because the Chinese are 
morally pure and militarily superior, and most importantly, a permanent member of the UN Security Council. But you know, <laughs> Europeans don't give a shit about the UN. Okay, they just do whatever the oh, fuck they the want. Americans. They, they, yeah, they, yeah, they kill whoever they want. So Big Daddy just puts a knife through the, like literally through the guy's neck. It comes out the other yeah. side. He just goes, Rawr! just kills him. Um, okay, and then at that point, at that point. The, Feng sacrifices the, the, himself. Feng Feng's Lamala is becoming more symptomatic. He's got some pustules on his hand, and that that wound on his hand that got infected by those dead bodies is looking mm. pretty crusty now. So he yeah. says he'll leave. And also, he's he's blamed for bringing the mercenaries to the factory. So he yeah. leaves, and Rachel goes with him. Because she's she's pretty thirsty for Fang, yeah, and they bring along that child as well. Because naturally, going along with some dude who's dying of an incurable disease and some woman who's not from the country is the safest thing to do, rather than wait for till seven a.m. the next morning for a helicopter to come in. But they, but this is they this drive is off. this is yeah. This this is where we we find out um, the significance of Doctor Chen and Portia, Doctor Chen's yeah, uh, apparent yeah. child. So Portia, um, you might be able to, you being a scientist and a man of medicine, might be better able to explain <laughs> the significance of Doctor Chen, Portia, and how Feng is Feng his name. Uh, I'm just confused now because I'm using so many Chinese name. How Feng gets out of it? So explain this. Explain this pivotal plot point to us. They find a cave and Fang passes out in in Rachel's arms. And look, Rachel doesn't know this, but Fang's Fang's dreaming about his Chinese girlfriend. Mm. He's yep. he's not interested in this. I I was hoping actually that the the romance angle of the movie would be Fang just ignoring the advances of a white woman for the memory of his Chinese girlfriend. But they do they do smooch. So Fang Fang's a fuck boy. But yeah, actually, no, he at, thought at his Chinese speech. girlfriend was dead at this stage. So he's honourable. He's not a fuckboy. That was, that was defamatory. <laughs> Sorry, Fang. <laughs> casting aspersions upon the, the pure name of, of Fang, whatever his name is. <laughs> okay, okay. But so, yep. What, he wakes up, though, and he feels great. He feels really good. And turns out that... Rachel's cured him of of the disease with with Portia's blood. So she says some shit about, oh, Portia makes antibodies against it and we use these antibodies to make a vaccine and we gave it to you and it worked. Cause, and this was a really good moment. She says it looks like God was on our side and Fang just starts smiling to himself because obviously Americans are stupid and religious and Chinese people only subscribe to dialectical materialism and scientific methods of understanding the world. <laughs> <clears throat> I really enjoyed that that jab at America. That was a particularly good one. Yeah, but you got like so so as I understand like so you've got like Dr. Chen, like like why is Dr. Chen so important? It's like they've got this the the Lamania virus is like wreaking havoc upon Africa or at least this nondescript African country. Dr. Chen has found and one person who has the life-saving antibodies for Lamania, and so 
and that person is this kid Portia, who he claims to be, uh, who he then claims is his daughter. So Portia is the one. So you you make the vaccine out of Portia, and then like Fang Fang gets given the the Portia vaccine by um by uh the hottie what's her name um Rachel, doctor Doc, Rachel doctor Rachel. And then Feng explains the plot to us. So, like, at first she's like, oh, it's so great that that vaccine worked. Um, I wasn't sure it was going to work, but it boy, boy, did it work. You were really ill in a previous scene. Now you're all fine again. And Feng says this. He says, quote, whoever takes Portia takes the whole country. That explains why the rebels were after us. It just didn't really make sense to me. Like why would, why do you get to control the country if you've got the, the human vaccine dispenser under your control? Like yeah, that'd be that'd be good, but <laughs> no, you're not going to take mean, power on the basis of that. I mean, on, on a very high level, I guess you've got the power of life and death in the broader sense. But um, but no, I mean, that doesn't does make a lot of sense. I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, no. But 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 we don't have to rely on our shabby interpretation. Thing tells we've got, us we've got a that explains that explains why the rebels were after us. So we've been given the explanation. So let's not go second guessing here with your wise acreish Western mindset, Jack. While while this was happening too, there was a really really good montage of Fang making a crossbow and stuff like that out of sticks. Oh yeah, that's very important. The crossbow. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he's making a bunch of weapons, and then, um, then Portia shows him how to use cactus juice to make poison to put it on the crossbow, because oh, they then yeah. go back to the factory to to save everyone there, because Big Daddy and his forces have moved in, and they've they've got old PLA and young Buck strung up, and they're torturing them, <laughs> and they're being really threatening, and I'm not I'm not actually sure what they're planning on doing otherwise. But yeah, they're they're being unkind to the Chinese. <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually just lose the thread of what the mercenaries and the rebels' goal is really at this point. I mean, aside from it was never controlling very clear. Portia, aside from controlling Portia, I I think basically we can assume that the the rebels have some kind of concrete objective, which is to control Portia, ergo control the country. The Europeans are just bloodthirsty mercenaries. And they just like violence and wanton death and presumably cash and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It it was never totally clear what their motivations were, but we we do know definitively that none of them are Chinese and therefore whatever (laughs) motivations they do have are suspect. (laughs) As we know in our day-to-day lives. I'm constantly second guessing myself, and that's because I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> it's inevitable. I mean, sorry, when I'm not like raping and pillaging and just doing things for cash, I'm yeah. second guessing myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a natural part of the white condition, as revealed <laughs> to the world by 2017's Wolf Warrior Two. <laughs> okay. The so. definitive treaties on racial relations. <laughs> so they return to the factory to save the people. Um okay, oh yeah, because because okay, so they left the factory um 
the 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 supervisor you know told like told Feng to fuck off um and dr rachel's like oh you know Feng's great so she goes with him she cures him of the virus but then is it then that he then returns to the factory which is now under yeah. the control of the mercenaries and this sets up the final the final um whatever you want to call it denouement um climax of the film i guess yeah and it's it's, it's a really good climax it's really yeah. good it's very good. How he, he first runs in, he's doing a stealth mission, he's shooting people with his stick crossbow. And the cactus poison, when he, when he shoots someone with the, the cactus poison tipped crossbow bolts, at first they just stand there and then they just spit all of this white foam out of their mouth after a second or two and collapse. It's, it's really good. I, I, I was wondering what that was all about, but um, I, I, I didn't, I must have been looking away when um, you. Because uh, you just mentioned the whole ca- the cactus poison thing, I was like, "Why are these Why are these spears making them spew like white foam?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it, like, long story short, Fang Fang saves all of the the Chinese and African workers being held hostage. He frees the old PLA soldier and the young buck. He he cuts them loose. And then and what Rachel does the old Parker, PLA? What does the old PLA soldier say? <laughs> oh, was it like Fang asks him how he is, and he says, "I've been better." Yeah, how are you holding up? <laughs> I've had better days. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, and in, in a previous scene, he was just having the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and um, all right. Yeah, so, so they, get- they 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 arm the people. And the old PLA guy asks Fang how the wolves, the, the wolf warrior people, would fight back. Mm. And then it immediately cuts to a scene of Fang, old PLA, and a young buck just running along and shooting tons of Africans. They're just... <laughs> Bad Africans. Bad when, Africans. When you think for a second about the racial dynamics of the film, it's really horrifying just seeing these <laughs> three Chinese people mowing down crowds of black people. Yeah, and what then, would actually, yeah, what would actually be and, interesting would yeah. be to um would be to count like to count if you went through the film and counted like who kills more Africans, the Chinese or the Europeans, because they both kill a lot. Yeah, yeah, they they kill but, but, very many. But Feng kills so many people. I mean, so sorry, not oh, many people, yeah. Africans. <laughs> no, and, and Europeans. He, in the end, he he even kills a few Europeans because in this scene, the 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 um. Athena and the the Slavic man show up. Yeah. And y- Young Buck throws a grenade and blows up Athena and the the, mm-hmm. the Slavic man is enraged and just turns into a beast and starts screaming and like running out of cover at them and shooting them with the machine gun. Yeah, yeah. And he 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 tackles Young Buck to the ground and so this is the some of the the few one of the few bits of research I did for this episode where so young buck is meant to represent the Chinese children of the nouveau riche oh, who course, are yep. apparently somewhat resented in China and so when this 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 Russian or Serbian or Bulgarian whatever some <laughs> Slavic guy is on top yep. of of young buck strangling him and he says didn't your father ever tell you never to play with your weapon and young buck 
just shoots this guy through the neck and quips back, didn't yours teach you not to fuck with royal preschool? And I assume that is a reference to his, his position as a, as a member of the Chinese nouveau riche. If it's not, Wait, I actually just, I just don't know what it means see, as a quip. Uh, maybe I just misheard what he said, but I, I thought it was, you know, didn't your father tell you ever to, ever tell you not to play with toys? And he says, didn't yours ever tell you not to mess with a spoiled brat? That's what I, but I might Did I you might watch a different it. translation? Because he, I think, pretty sure he said not to fuck with royal preschool or something like that. Or it could be that. Did that did it have subtitles as well as well as the dub? I mean, I there might have been. Yeah. Okay. Or well, I mean, I'm 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 very sure I watched the same one as you did. But anyway, it's a, it's the same point. It's it's a rich it's a rich it's a rich plucky, um, arrogant kid, um, who is who 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 one would naturally have cause to resent upon meeting him. But he does um prove his worth in the end. He proves his worth by shooting a white person through the neck. <laughs> <laughs> having having killed that white person's uh, sister in arms with a hand grenade, only oh, and, I, and, I, and, and I suppose importantly, importantly is the fact that you know the most uh, rich, spoiled, effete, rich um, kid is the one who kills the most masculine of the Westerners. So yeah, like, yeah, this gigantic dog. ball of muscle. Yeah, <laughs> he gets killed by the um, you know, who one would otherwise assume was just a hapless rich kid, but but he's a Han Chinese, so he yeah, he he's, defeats he's a the hulking European. Kid. Yeah, yeah, got it. And I should add, uh, well, it probably goes without saying, all through this scene, the African, the African soldiers just are getting in the way. They they <laughs> exist to be shot by either the the Chinese contingent or the white mercenaries. <laughs> okay so how do we get to the point at which big daddy is taking on is in a tank and is taking on Fang? <laughs> yeah they just they have got this big battle where they steal they steal a tank like our plucky chinese troika steal a tank <laughs> and are just a shooting all of these other tanks which are which are being driven by Africans, so naturally they can't aim or drive properly. And our Chinese tank is just driving circles around them. Hmm. And eventually, eventually Big Daddy shows up in a tank. And uh, it's... Well, I mean, it, it's, at this it starts point... looking bad for our Chinese heroes. I mean, but, but also at, at this point, at this point, Big Daddy has been more or less um, controlling the action from a distance. But I think it's mm, at this point mm. that Big Daddy turns up like on the ground. And that's, you know, if Big Daddy's here, you're in trouble. And he is he's morally corrupt, but he is very, very capable of violence. He's a oh, highly, yeah. highly capable. Yeah. And interestingly, he's also... Roughly the same size as a hero, so he's be- he is like the anti-hero, like he's equivalent combat skills. Yeah. He's just morally corrupt and American. Yeah, well, he he doesn't. I mean, have which the- are one and the same thing. Yeah, he doesn't have the the purity of a of a scientific understanding of the stages of history <laughs> that, that Fang has. I mean, Fang is is thoroughly versed in the dialectic, 
whereas Big Daddy, I doubt Big Daddy has read a single work of Marx, let alone Hegel. No, no. And um, he's under the mistaken impression that his people will always be on top, as becomes mm, apparent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it, basically things go really bad for all of our Chinese heroes. Fang gets trapped under like a block of concrete or something. Oh, yeah, and yeah, that's right. starts filming with his phone. The The video quality was too shit for me to see the brand of the phone, but I'm betting it's some sort of Chinese phone manufacturer because you, you would not uh, get that crystal clear image quality from a piece of shit Apple device or something designed no. by a Westerner. But no, no. He's, he's, he's basically live streaming the war zone and sending the video to the, the naval captain and all uh, of the yep. so there there are these images of of nice africans being gunned down by big daddy's forces and all of the crew members on this chinese warship are all crying and they're desperately trying yep. to get in contact with the un it's like no we got to fucking shoot missiles at these people but we need un approval what are we going to yeah. do we want to act but we cannot act outside of official channels because that's wrong yeah and all looks lost but then Suddenly, like the order comes down from from on high to the Chinese captain that they can let loose, and he just screams like fire! Yeah, and you've got yeah. this great and- shot of all of these Chinese war vessels just shooting missiles into the air, and it oh, keeps cutting yeah. between shots of oh, that's right, and for some reason, Nessa, the comic relief. Woman, the um, the mother of of Could Fang's do. godson, starts singing "Amazing Grace," but in an American accent. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. I didn't get I that. I just, I didn't get that at all. That seemed just to make no sense at all. But anyway, because I, I, she I thought it was going to have Grace, a negative valence, but it had a positive yeah. valence. But but you've you've got these shots of just all of these beautiful missiles flying through the air, and then they they absolutely ruin big daddy's tank army just they they must have killed so many people in one strike but what yeah. i loved about it is is the naval commander when he gets when he gets message um from the un that he has permission to fire he, he like he has such resolute purpose in his face he says says fire and you know what it puts me puts me in mind it puts it puts me in mind of another rudyard kipling um <laughs> Quite, I, think about, I, I, th- I think about when he's talking about when Kipling is talking about the English. I think it's Kipling. He says they are they are uh, slow to anger, but resolute in purpose. Like, like, so no, like once, so once again, once he gets once he gets a moral um, imprimatur of the of the United Nations, you can see the fire light up in this naval captain's eyes as he then goes to town on Big Daddy and the American-slash-European mercenaries. To just splatter some people from hundreds of (laughs) kilometres away with cruise missiles. (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) Just arcing through the sky. It's beautiful. It's It's beautiful scene. firm hand of morality striking them down. (laughs) Okay. So we have... um, We're we're up to that bit you brought up where it's like Big Daddy shoots... um, Fang, but it's it's. I think it's a magazine or something in Fang's belt or some something that Fang's got on him stops the bullet, and he picks no, I, up I, the bullet. 
and looks I at thought, it, and I, it's the same as that was... bullet he's got around his neck. Wait, but, but there are two things. First of all, um, uh, there's before this, there's a point where Big Daddy is in a tank and he's just chasing Fang, who's running away from the <laughs> tank. And then, but like oh, at a certain right, point, yeah. at a certain point, Fang turns around and gives him two two middle fingers. He says, <laughs> Up yours. Okay, but we skip ahead. That's all fine. There's all that fight, fighting, fighting, fighting. But I think if I, but as I recall, what stops the bullet? is the mysterious bullet that he's had around his neck, which he knows has some significance. So the the bullet, the bullet around his neck gets stopped by the other bullet from Big Daddy, and then he looks at the bullet, the squashed bullet from Big Daddy, and he looks at the one around his neck, and he realises it's the same bullet. Yeah, the same weirdly coloured bullet. And yeah, he goes the same into turbo evil. mode when this happens because yeah. he realises that... Big Daddy must have killed his Chinese girlfriend. Although he moved on pretty quickly because he gave Rachel a big smooch earlier. Yeah, Big, big Daddy says to him, "Was that, your, that was your girl, was it? She was cute. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, in the original language, is Big Daddy speaking Mandarin or does he speak English? In the, obviously in the oh. version he's speaking English. I want to know what he's speaking in the... In the uh, in the Chinese version, I wasn't following the um like lip syncing close enough just because uh, I just I want to know what the angry Slavic man sounds like in the Chinese version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's there's the final fight between Big Daddy and Feng, and like it's a great fight. Like they're both yeah, really good really at fighting. Good. Yeah. Um, but is there anything important to say about the final fight aside from um when it looks like Big Daddy stabs Feng like a number of times. Yeah, and and then it looks like Big Daddy's got the upper hand. Feng was gonna just fist fight him, but Big Daddy pulls out knives. Yeah, and he stabs him quite a few times. Like yeah, like, yeah. I, I, he even stabs him in like the heart at one point, or it looks like he's very close to the heart. But you know, I guess there's no penetrating the heart of the Communist Party. No, no, not when that heart is is full of the words words of Mao Zedong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what does Jack, do you remember what Big Daddy says to Feng when how, he's got the about, upper hand? How about I deliver Big Daddy's final soliloquy and yeah. you, can, you can respond <laughs> with what Feng says to him. So yeah. Big, Big Daddy's like on top of Feng with knives and it, it looks like Feng's finished. Big Daddy goes, oh, and, that's, and just next to them, like behind bars, uh, Rachel... Um, Nessa, uh, Portia, and a bunch of nondescript black people who, you know, like mm. the, the flock to be saved by the brave Chinese, and they're all looking on, and Big Daddy points at them and goes, look at them, you're going to die for those people. And Feng says, I always fought for them. <laughs> Big Daddy <laughs> replies, people like you will always be inferior to people like me. Get used to it. Get fucking used to it. And then and Feng, Feng starts says, to overpower him. And then and Feng stabs him and he stabs him in the neck. He stabs he him stabs in the neck with the bullet necklace that he's been wearing the whole movie. And then oh, I think does he gets he? one of his knives and then stabs Big Daddy in the head. And then he says, after Big Daddy says, you know, get used to it, Feng tells him, that's fucking history. <laughs> the Chinese straddle the world. <laughs> okay, so Big Daddy is now dead, 
And then I think we um we We're cut my pretty quickly scene in the movie now. Yeah. Okay. Um, take take it away. Describe the uh fi- the final scene of the film. Feng wakes up in Rachel's lap in a convoy with all the surviving civilians driving through the country towards the coast to uh to where the the Chinese navy is waiting to take them away, and. Mm. Oh, yeah, and young Buck and old PLA survived as well. Everyone's everyone who who deserved to live has lived. But yes. in the distance, they see an explosion, and people in the convoy are unsettled. And one of them announces that a war zone blocks their path. And so the the Red Scarf rebels are still fucking things up in the country. They're still fighting government forces. Then Feng. He, he always comes prepared. He must have been carrying this thing around the entire movie, which I really like imagining. It really actually quite changes the solo mission that he went in without weapons, actually. He didn't have a gun, but he was carrying this with him. He pulls out a Chinese flag, which he brought into the country on his solo mission Instead of a gun, he pulls out the Chinese flag and holds it above his head and all the people in the convoy throw their effective weapons out of the vehicles and it cuts to this great shot of the rebel soldiers like looking, looking at the convoy and then spotting the Chinese flag and they go, no, 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 we can't, we can't shoot the Chinese, no way. They're, they're protected by the power of China. And yeah, yeah. The, the convoy flying the red and yellow flag drives through unscathed and they make it to the coast. They make it to oh no, they make it to a UN base and a crowd yeah, yeah, of Africans cheers them on. Uh, and the Chinese ambassador, the representative of state power, looks on approvingly. Fang has served his country. Then there was a scene with a Chinese passport with um with some stuff being written on it, but I couldn't read it. So yeah, I don't, maybe that uh, seems uh, significant. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, the it finishes with a, a picture of a Chinese passport, and then some, you know, some script which I can't understand, despite my yeah, like being fluent sp- in Mandarin, Spanish or some shit being written on but it. But it, but it has an exclamation point at the end. Um, so it was obviously something meaningful. Um, but 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 this is actually one of the things that confuses me a little bit about the film is sort of. Yeah, an A causes B versus B causes A sort of relationship between the rebels um, and the mercenaries because presumably the rebels' original objective of taking over the country has not changed. But is it is it only were, were the rebels only emboldened or corrupted to that end because of the European mercenaries? Do you think that's the takeaway? Their business relationship was unclear because it did seem that the the mercenaries were calling the shots. Yeah. <laughs> and it yes. also, you would expect that the civil war is not over, or maybe you would expect that the civil war is, is over because the five white people or something who were the motive force seemingly behind the rebels are all dead. So maybe they'll just dissolve and cease to be an effective fighting force now that they don't have non-Africans leading them. I'd, I don't that's, know. That's, it's, it's, that's what I, there are a lot of unanswered what, questions. But that's what I, I think. I think the takeaway is, is that, um, it's that the African rebels are not morally 
culpable because you know the, the same position at the end of the film obtains at the start of the film like there's they're still going against the Chinese government and the Chinese army and the Chinese flag so nothing has changed except the Europeans have been taken out so that causes me to think it's yeah. like the Europeans are the ones that turned the Africans against each other and take out the Europeans mm. and Africa is once again placated and the Africans realize that uh, you know, the Chinese are the you know, indomitable indomitable um, protectors and so forth. So I don't think the rebels are, are, are bad more guys. More importantly, protectors you wouldn't want to throw off. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. So I don't think the rebels are really to blame in the end. It's the Europeans what done it. Yeah, it, re- it really is the... In the Wolf Warrior 2 universe, it does seem that African people are this undifferentiated force who need the the firm hand of order, preferably the Han Chinese hand of order, to guide them towards morally pure and productive ends. <laughs> they can be they can be corrupted by the serpent, the the Satan of white people. <laughs> I just love like how uh, it's so beautifully multicultural in um, its uh, <laughs> mosaic of European antagonists. Like you've got like an American, like a Russian or a Serb or whatever he is. You've got Athena, the Greek blonde bird. Um, like it's just then you've got some other nondescript white people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But you've got a, you've got America and vaguely Europe, you're somewhere in Europe. You've got both of those represented. Not enough Australian <laughs> representation, I think. You know, they but, really uh, could have could have had someone in RM Williams boots, board shorts, <laughs> a broad-brimmed hat with some corks hanging down from the brim and a stubby of VB. No, I I, no, I, I do need to um well, I mean I won't, but I feel like I ought to rewatch a certain pot Part at the end because I'm sure at one point just I heard an Australian accent. Oh really? Like, I feel yeah. I feel like one of the white guys had an Australian accent. Um, but maybe I mean I was pretty tired and delirious last night at the end of the film, so maybe I misheard. But like, but it did strike me. I'm like, is that an Australian accent? <laughs> <laughs> Which would be perfect if it was. It's an Australian accent calling out desperately. Against the indomitable might of the Chinese. <laughs> Bloody oath, these Chinese soldiers are a handful, aren't they? Struth. Struth, Ruth. <laughs> okay, so that is Wolf Warrior 2. That is Wolf Warrior um, 2. I would recommend it. I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's a... Uh, it's like a perfectly serviceable, serviceable eighties action movie with the racism turned way up, <laughs> turned way up. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the key that there, I would recommend the film. Um, but there are two keys I would say. Um, if I were to re- recommend it to someone, I would say first of all, get like a high def version and watch it on a big telly because then you'll get all the aesthetics and their full glory. And the yeah. second thing, the the key the key to really enjoying it is pay attention to the racial dynamics. Yeah, the racial dynamics are the the beating heart and soul of this story. Uh, yeah, because I I think 
yeah, just doing this podcast, I've um, become so much more aware of the position of the Africans in this. Like, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't quite registering how racist it was until we're, Jack and I have talked through it this morning or this evening. Well, such where you such is the power of discourse. And that's, that's <laughs> ultimately why people listen to this podcast, so they can get the most insightful discourse on cultural <laughs> phenomena such as Wolf Warrior 2. They, they can't get this anywhere else. <laughs> Okay, um, so uh, do we know, we know there's a Wolf Warrior 1, um, which we should probably yeah. watch, but it, are, are there, because this was 2017, are there subsequent Wolf Warrior films? I don't know, actually. I'm sure there are, are good Chinese propaganda films. I'd be open to watching yeah. more of this sort of thing. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I just looked at uh, Wikipedia and it says <laughs> box office box office uh, sales. Where are we? Uh, Eight hundred and seventy-four million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it had a thirty million thirty million dollar US budget. Made eight hundred and seventy-four wow. million dollars. Apparently, um, that so it, it deserves it. It is it is such an entertaining movie. Okay, okay. Oh, wait. Uh, Wikipedia tells tells us that um, a sequel, Wolf Warrior 3, has been confirmed at the end of the mid-credits of Wolf Warrior 2. Oh, okay. So oh, they, they, the... they, must, they must have like a like at the end of James Bond films where it says James Bond will return. Yeah, well, there is. There's this bit where Fang is dog sledding or something in uh, some, a tundra somewhere and he gets, a, he gets this call from a some PLA general, and he just asks if Fang will re-enlist, and Fang starts crying with happiness and says yes immediately and salutes this guy. And then the general tells him that his Chinese girlfriend is still alive. Oh, wait, so does that occur after the credits? Yeah, it's after the credits. Oh, I turned um, it off too early. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that bit. you missed out. So Fang's a cheating piece of shit. <sighs> okay. Right, I was wondering what you meant before because I assumed that the, the girl was dead, but... um. No, I sh- I turned no, it off too are. early. You 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 can't. I mean, you you but, saw what sort of soldier she was. So filled yeah. with revolutionary ardor. It it all it also goes to show why you're you know you're the um, scrupulous and premier internet anthropologist. I mean, there's there's no there's no margin for error here. Uh, no, I'm just no, an amateur. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon we're going to get invited to the premiere of Wolf Warrior Three? <laughs> I, so I, I can ask Xi Jinping. <laughs> we'll write him a letter. Xi Jinping, if you're listening, uh, yeah. get us a ticket. Get Levi a ticket too, actually. He'll want to come. Three <laughs> tickets to the premiere, please. <laughs> All right. Um, is there anything to say, anything more we want to say about Wolf Warrior 2 um, before no, we no. bring this to a conclusion? I think we've covered it pretty well. Good movie. We've covered it well. This is... The deepest analysis that Wolf Warrior 2 deserves. <laughs> this is and it does deserve. truly the analysis that the movie deserves. <laughs> Okie dokie. Uh, Jack, do you want to sign this podcast off? <laughs> yep. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yes. yes. Thank you all. And I look forward to... Uh, discussing what actually what are jack 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 and i what are, what are we what are we talking about next time i mean you and me not not you and levi so we're we're going to be discussing camp of the camp of the saints by jean raspail 
a work of white nationalism, white nationalist fiction. Which, so I've I've finished the book. I read it at the same time as reading Osama bin Laden's writings, which was some real thematic whiplash. <laughs> it's very, very confusing. <laughs> did, did, did the Osama writings include um, his famed op-ed for the uh, Guardian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't advertise that so much anymore, do they? No, no, no. They were only reprinting a legitimate point of view. That's fair enough. They're respectable journalists. Yeah, they hide behind that until it comes time to publish something that they don't agree with. <laughs> yes. Okie dokie. Um, I should probably... Thank you uh, for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Uh, uh, go out and watch Wolf Warrior 2. It's, it's legit. Recommended. <laughs>